morning. So my guest tonight is Dr. Jason Bloom. Uh, needs no further introduction after that uh, initial introduction. Jason, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I always love talking to you, and um, I love our discussions. I've learned so much from you over the years, so I feel honored to be able to uh, come and talk to you on the podcast. So um, to reciprocate, my my uh, my daughter Riley, who's uh, she's got her own career, but she helps me out with some of this stuff. And she says to me, she goes, "Oh my God, Doctor Jason Bloom." She goes, "I'm like obsessed with him." I'm like, <laughs> she's like, "You're gonna interview him?" I'm like, "Really? Like, what am I nothing now?" So, uh, so uh, see, I want to be I want to be Ed Williams. No. Uh, seriously. <laughs> no. Anyway. So I think, you know, she, you know, she knows your family, the whole nine yards. So uh, too funny, uh, too funny. You know, it, social media. It, it, it's in, Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, some people kind of like keep their social media buttoned up and to themselves. And I kind of just like put it all out there because I think it's like uniquely me. I have like a, a crazy addiction with over 150 pairs of like Air Jordan sneakers. Oh, I yeah. put my kids out there. And, you know, and, and people are telling me, oh, you know, you should hire some companies to do that. And we have a company that does our office one, but no one, I think my social media, my Instagram comes off as uniquely me. No one's able to do that. Right. And that's why I still, I mean, you, you know, it's like a second job. It's hard yeah. to kind of handle well, that, but I so still I'm do sure all you've of it. Done, yeah, and I'm sure you've, you know, you've read or seen some of the Gary Vaynerchuk stuff. And really what it comes down to is, you know, be yourself. Um, you yeah. have, you don't need, need to make up content. And by the way, people want to know you. They want to know that you're genuine. They want to know your family. They want to know all that stuff. And, and uh, I go in and out of being like annoyed with the whole thing versus just, but I, you know, there are people that I've kept up with and that I know about their families and things that I wouldn't have known without social media. So as much as it, um, it's annoying at times, uh, but it, it seems to be obviously working for a lot of people, you know, but uh, so let me ask you, I want to, you know, tell us, you know, I'm going to get into all the credentials and stuff, but, but tell me, tell us kind of your story. I mean, and you know, where you started and how you ended up, uh, you know, facial plastics, how you ended up your location. You know, um, I, I know you have, I've always prided myself on being, you know, uh, uh somewhat a frustrated, frustrated academician. You know, you have a, what do you call, uh, you know, like a private, what do you call pri private, Pracademics or whatever. Privademic, yeah. Privademic. <laughs> and people are intrigued because, you know, every is, you know, you interview, I have one today, right? You know, applicants. So what do you want to Well, I kind of want to work with residents. It's always the same answer. You know, I want to be involved with right, academics, but I also want to be. That's the dream. Yeah. yeah, right? You know, that, that the is dream. the dream scenario. And that's, honestly, I will say that's the highlight of my career is being able to, you know, work with residents and fellows and maintain my private practice while um, getting to teach. And, and that to me, you know, that was kind of instilled in me from my father. So my father is an oral surgeon and he's been the chairman of his residency program um, for gosh, I mean, as long as I've can remember. So like over, yeah. you know, 35, 40 years. And um, you know, He's not like the academic in the sense that he's doing research and things, but 
He loves teaching. And still, my dad is 73, turning 74 this summer, and he still goes down to the clinic a couple days a week in Detroit at U of D and works with the residents, taking out teeth in the clinic and showing them what's going on and staffing that clinic. So you had, and, you had and, a good mentor. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's it. Love it. He says it keeps him young. He's, yeah. he can't wait. You know, he's, he was doing some telemedicine during COVID and now and he's been vaccinated and now he's going back to the clinic and he can't get wait to get back. And I'm like, dad, you know, like you don't have to do this. Um, and he's like, honestly, it keeps me young. I love working with, uh, with young people. And honestly, that's, that has kind of instilled the same ideals with me. And I, I, I love doing it myself. Well, you know, so. it does. There's, there's no question that we find a lot of people that, uh, actually I did a podcast on getting burned out, but the people who get burned out it really, when they, uh, you know, when you look at the risk factors, it's just going to work every day, making money, you know, uh, going home. And, and these are one of those things that keep us, keep us not only young, but interested and, and, uh, teaching totally. and uh, giving, right. I mean, you know, you see what people happen when they get older, they start to get obsessed with where they're going to give their money and where they're going to give their time and stuff like that. But, uh, so, so how did you end up, you know, how did you end up in, uh, in, uh, uh, you know, with your training in and Philly. where did you end up going and all? Yeah. Philly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I grew up in Michigan. I went there for my undergrad and my medical school and I met my wife there. So my wife's a lawyer. She went to Mich university of Michigan for her undergrad in law school. And after medical school, as we're deciding where to go, my wife grew up in uh, in Lower Marion, um, in the suburbs of Philadelphia, and she's like, whenever I mentioned, like, hey, maybe we'll like, you know, do my residency in Michigan and stay around here, she would cry and say, like, I want to be back with my family. So um, I matched at University of Pennsylvania and did my ENT there, and um, I really, honestly, I fell in love with the city of Philly. It's just mm -hmm. such a great place it's so it's like it has like so much culture going on um it's it's fun and now we live in the the suburbs but i still love going into philly um and i did five years of ent there and then yeah. following um i loved the idea of so my wife is a lawyer as i said and um and certainly she works at a big law firm and um, the idea of going to New York was very enticing for us because I know I came out and I interviewed with you and loved your program and it was it was awesome. The problem for me was a little bit of the fact that my wife needed to be in this big city to continue working. She's doing yeah. she's a litigator, and the nice thing is she worked at a lar the the largest firm in Philly. And in going to New York City, where I did my fellowship at NYU, um, she was still able to do her Philadelphia cases, but they just mm -hmm. gave her office space in the New York office. Um, and so she was able to work and do law that year. And, um, and I, you know, I, I loved the mentors that I met and learned from in New York. Um, Norman Pastoric, Manas Constantinides, David Rosenberg, Matt White, Phil Miller. I mean, those guys now remain, I mean, dear friends of mine and my lifetime mentors that I learned so much from. And, um, and interestingly, uh, 
you know, we kind of all because I loved Philadelphia and and Margot, my wife, was from there. We always kind of thought like maybe we would end up being back in Philadelphia. And I actually almost took an academic job um, at Cornell. They had had a change of their uh, facial plastic surgery directors who had left, and they had an opening there. And I interviewed for the position, and I was very far down the line. And interestingly, um, I mean, probably in during my fellowship year, probably around November, I sent a bunch of, you know, just cover letters out to uh, ENT doctors in the suburbs of Philly, to some dermatologists. I knew this was kind of like a different thing, but I said, you know, I sent a cover letter, letter out and, and kind of like a very basic business plan to some of the dermatologists I knew that weren't doing things like injectables or mm-hmm. surgery that wasn't part of their practice. And one of the I guys- I was going to ask you, how'd you, back, how'd you become aware of your first job? So basically you just sent out letters. It was, <clears throat> a, it was essentially a cold call, you know? I mean, that was what it was. And um, so this one guy, his name's Eric Bernstein. He is a dermatologist in the mainline Philadelphia. And he's like the laser king. He's got like 40, 50 different lasers and energy-based devices. And that's all he does. He doesn't do ablative lasers. And um, he was just referring everyone out for injectables. If they needed surgery, he was referring them out. And even for like CO2 and some of the ablative lasers, he just didn't want to do those. But extremely involved. And one of the other things is he was always extremely involved in industry, does tons of FDA trials, clinical trials for all the laser and energy-based device companies. He's really like amazing in that space. I mean, he, the guy must so, be a giant, you know, he, he must be very driven because oh, as you know, that's a, it's a yeah. lot of work doing all that, all those trials. And, and, and I mean, yeah, and he has, you know, clinical research coordinators and things like that. Uh, but he is just an absolutely brilliant mind physics, you know, like to understand the laser light energy. Um, and so I, I interviewed with him. He called me and um, and I interviewed with him for in November and I never heard back from him. Now, like fast forward to like March and I was considering, you know, um, going forward uh, at Cornell in the academic realm. And all of a sudden he called me one day and he's like, he's like, Bloomer, yo, it's the burn man. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, who is it? I like, I didn't, I barely remembered who it was. And uh, he's like, listen, I finally thought about it. And I really think it would be great if you joined my practice. And I was like, well, here's the deal. I can't really leave the island of Manhattan because I'm on call for all these practices. And I said, I would love to be there. Um, I kind of had written out a a very, very cursory type uh, business plan for him. And I said, bring all that stuff that you're sending out. Let's bring it in house. And he's like, I love the idea. And I said, I can come down there this weekend. But if I come down there, we're like hashing out a contract and we're not leaving until like it's done because that's I a, actually that's, that's a really, that's a really good point because I've been through a number of business deals and what I do when we get really, sometimes you just, you get in the room and until you, you don't leave until you hash it out, bring the attorneys if you can. Yep. But yep. that's a pearl. Well, I mean, I, as far as I, I, I get things, cause some, what's that? I had an, I had a, I have an attorney in my house. Oh yeah. That, that, that helps. <laughs> so my wife, 
is very helpful, and she reads yeah. all my contracts still. And I do have another uh, attorney who now handles sure. all my stuff. But at the time, certainly I'm a, a yeah. fellow. I, you know, my wife was like, I'm going to send this to a friend of mine to look at it. And then, like, you know, I'm just ringing up attorney bills. I'm like, Margo, don't send these things anywhere until you've yeah. looked at them because, you know, she was answering, you know, she knew the stuff. She was answering sure. the questions herself. So, um, and so, so you that's were with it. Them I how, signed that weekend. Yeah. So I you, was you were, there eight years. Yeah. I, I, eight well, I, years. And I can tell you still have a lot of respect for him, obviously. Um, oh, oh, oh my God. A incredible amount of respect. We still remain dear friends. I talk to him about difficult cases. I send him every laser case. Um, yes. I, I mean, I learned a ton from him in terms of um, about cosmetics and aesthetic patients, and I learned a ton about research and working with industry, yeah. and um, I just, I learned a lot about being a great doctor, because his patients yeah. all love him, Yeah. and I, I and I, to that, I owe, and, and honestly, he took a flyer on me, like, who was I? He didn't know right. me from anyone, Right. And um, and the interesting thing about my practice, which was different than a lot of facial plastic surgeons coming out, was that you know, I joined a dermatologist where um, my first cases were like bluffs and facelifts, mm -hmm. right? Because he wasn't seeing rhinoplasty. Right. He was seeing aging face patients with cosmetic and they, and he concerns. Had, about, he, he had a lot of them, yeah. Right. I mean, he had this really mature practice of aging face that he's doing, you know, he does a lot of pulse dye laser and things like yeah. that for rosacea. And he's like, oh, you should talk to my man, Jason. Um, he can talk to you about your eyelids. And I was doing bleps and facelifts before I did rhinoplasty. And I yeah. kind of went backwards. I had to go seek out noses right. from ENT guys in the community. and Which isn't easy you know, because, said, yeah, right. right? I mean, they, they, you know, they, that's not easy. Well, um, well, well luckily, I, you know, what I did is I served a purpose for them I started out by saying, you know what? Send me your difficult airway stuff, nasal airway. So yeah. maybe you've done a septoplasty on this patient. They still yeah. can't breathe. I'll do spreader grafts. I'll do functional yeah, nasal surgery, right? And yeah. so these guys and friends of mine, they started sending me a lot of the functional nasal surgery. I started doing some Mohs repair through the dermatologic community. And from yeah. that, then came the cosmetic rhinoplasties. Those same guys who were sending mm -hmm. me the functional surgery was like, listen, if you want to have your nose done cosmetically, you should see Dr. Bloom. He's great. And and that's kind of, it all kind of grew from there. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you something. Um, at some point you started to, uh, you know, you started to think about maybe I want to do something different. What, you know, yeah. what what year was that? Uh, you know, what was it that kind of made you think I want to be on my own? Um, how'd you go about that? I mean, these are these are tough. I'm sure I'm sure you were thinking about that for a couple of years, right? Yeah, I mean, about five years in, I was like, you know, I was running a surgical practice in a dermatology office, which is hard to do, right? So they, I mean, I. Talk about, you know, you watch like, uh, you, you watch um, Shark Tank and they're talking about like bootstrapping it. Yeah. Like, 
I was the surgical coordinator. I was scheduling my cases. I was writing out the post-op instructions. I was yeah. discussing money with the patients, like every single thing, like that was me. And, 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 and I did it because like they were concerned about that practice and I, I was there and I was yeah. doing very well. Um, but it was, I, I'm like, I need help here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when it was just like, it was hard because they didn't understand surgery. You know, it's right. like if you Very come different. in there and you're spe- yeah. and you're speaking German and you're, you know, they just it was a whole different way that we dealt with patients. And at that point, I'm like, I kind of need my own thing. Mm-hmm. And after about six years, I went to him. And so this was about two years ago, three years ago, actually, yeah, six years, so four years ago. Um, I, yeah, I, I wanted you to give to him about it. One, yeah, you were talking right. I about came it. up yeah. and 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 we had dinner, and I told you, and and I was, you know, and he, and he said, you know, he always told me, listen, if you're thinking about leaving or you want something different, he's like, I want you to be really open and honest. And I went to him, and two years before I even left, and said, listen, I, I'm I'm thinking about you know doing my own thing. And not because it's not working here, but I just need to be in charge. Like, I want someone who's going to help me with my surgical coordinating. And I, I want to, yeah. like, create my own thing. And I and I, I don't even want a partner because if I want to change the color of the walls, I, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. I, and, uh, and, and he got – he's like – I totally understand. And he's like, I, I, and thank you for telling me. And, and I worked over the next two years to make him whole in the sense that I helped him bring on someone else, a new dermatologist that could handle some of the, um, the, the injectables and to kind of like yeah. really move into my space. Yeah. Not from a so how far, standpoint. How far are you, but, physically, how far are you from now, him now? Um, Probably like two miles or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah not I mean, far. Yeah, and, and, and so and I have a I have a non compete. Yeah. Which um which to this day I have not obviously I I, I out of respect for him, you know some yeah. people are like ah oh, non competes are nothing but like out of respect for him I would never even consider violating something like that and my non compete is very it's very straightforward number one. I can't, I can't go work with another dermatologist. Mm-hmm. And number two, I can't do a laser devices and that's for two years and seven miles. And that's so my, fair. my non-compete, my, right. And because that's all he did and he was a dermatologist, right? right. So he's like, you can, and, and he knew he's like, I would never restrict you from doing facial plastic surgery. You yeah. could open up next door, but he's like, I don't want you, you know, taking, my dermatology patients away from me and I don't want right. you doing lasers because that's all I have. Yeah. And I mean, um, a lot of times non-competes also have, you know, soliciting staff and that kind of stuff too. I don't know if you, that was in right. yours, but it, right. it's another so important thing. You know, he's got his big team there. Right. He doesn't need Dr. Bloom stealing his right. people. Right. right. So obviously, yes, I have, I have a non-solicitation too, the same amount of time. And, and that was, you know, that was the most scary thing. Right. We're talking now, I had, now let's talk about D-Day, right? I leave the practice. Mm-hmm. September. Well, see, I, you know, 15th. I love the conversation. I love the conversation 
that I have with people about risk. Yeah. Because until you've taken risk, you can't, you cannot understand it. Unfortunately, I've taken more risk than I like to take, but um, I, I get it so many times when people are like, well, I just, I'm thinking about doing this. And 10 years later, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this. And I keep telling you can't expect someone else to take your risk. And then for you, for you to benefit from it. So either you take the risk and you benefit. Right. So it's a scary day, right? Like, I mean, so September 16th, <laughs> 2019 was the, la- was the last day at that practice. And September 17th, I moved into my new space, right? New office. Yeah. I had an office manager and an MA and me. And literally I had, I, I, I couldn't take any of the charts. I couldn't, you know, call any right. patients. And and also they didn't they they weren't they did not send anything out to patients. Yeah. So um, and and again I, when I was there I couldn't tell patients I was leaving. That was right. part of the whole thing. Part of the deal. And so um, and so part of the thing is they were they were going to try to keep all the injectables patients, and um, it was very. And you understand that, right? I mean, you know. It was, right. Oh 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 oh! Yeah, completely. Before that, we that get into that, though. Sure. Before we get into that, let me ask you one question, because I get this question all the time from people who are looking to join a dermatologist or join. Because, again, joining a plastic surgeon or facial plastic surgeon is different. The injectable model profit is different. You know, um, so so I got a colleague of mine saying to me, Ed, I'm looking to join, join a derm practice. Okay, now looking back, what advice would you give them as far as how to get paid? Uh, and, and and so, you know, what a performance model, what do you think is fair? Yeah. So, I mean, the way it worked with us, um, the, the good thing is there was still like a division of labor. Like he didn't do injectables, which is extremely <laughs> rare in these kinds yeah. of situations when we're talking about yep. dermatologists. Um, but basically, I mean, I'm happy to talk about my st- the structure and how we did it. Is and 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 well, interestingly, I have that same well, I have my structure opinions, with I've, now I have a facial yeah. plastic surgeon. Um, yeah. But like you know what, what what we did is, I so when I joined him, I had a son who was two, I had yeah. a wife, and you know I, I talked to my friends who like they're like oh why don't you just open up your own place and I'm like I don't know if I'm gonna fall on my face and work yeah. you know yeah. and if it's gonna like work out or not. I needed some guarantees. I needed like a salary. So yeah. I had a guaranteed base salary of, I, I think I started at like 200. And then my, it was an incentive-based contract in which I made like 2X my salary yeah. in collections. We split everything according to a percentage. Yeah. And that's, my, that's, a, you know, that's you, very fair. You take, out, you take out the direct costs. Yeah. of the injectables or what the processing fees or whatever. Yeah. And then you split everything according to he got X percent and I got X percent. Yeah. And that's, that's extremely fair uh, for right. both sides. I mean, listen, so I go back to risk and then I want to, I want to hear your story about when you moved out, but again, no one's going to bring, cause I've had this conversation and people say, well, but they're going to be making money on me. I'm like, people aren't, they're not just going to, you know, they're not altruistic. They're not going to bring you in unless there's a margin there. They got to make a few bucks on you, right? 10%, absolutely, something like that. Or why are they going to, why are they going to take the risk? They don't need totally. to do it. So even, even if you go to a university setting, right, there's like a university tax. There's like a, right. a Dean's tax of like eight to 10% yep. or something like, yep. you know, like, 
they're they 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 know that you know especially in facial plastics universities don't like hiring facial plastics because they're like oh listen you're going to benefit from our, our name for five to seven years and you're going to leave right. we need to like make some money off you in the in the meantime right and they don't i mean the, the university's making on their facility fees but that's another whole right. you know conversation they don't they don't make it on you know what what you generate in fact facial plastic guys don't make make them near as much as totally as uh, the sinus guys, you know, or whatever. So, so talk to me about D-Day when you, when you moved in and, and, and what was going on in your mind and how, how'd you get yourself busy? So, um, so first of all, what I recommend to everyone is like, um, it, 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 you'll certainly have, if, in, if you're in this situation that I'm in, you'll have a non-solicitation and the messaging has to be very clear. That's like almost worse cannot... than just going out on your own, right? Because right. You're, you're actually, your hands are tied. Right. So um, on that day, the September 17th, I posted on my Facebook and my Instagram that, like, you can't even say, come visit me. You know, I was just like, Bloom Facial Plastics, this is my address. This is my phone number. That was it. If you look at that post, it was just like, here I am. You can't invite, like, you can't even say call me because that is like a direct solicitation. Um, and if, if some people that were former pres, uh, pre, uh, patients at that office are following patients. me on Instagram, you know, like that would be soliciting them. So I just said, Bloom Facial Plastics, my number, this is where I'm located. And at 9 a.m., the, the phones went on. And by noon, I had to call my wife in from home. She was working from home that day to help manage the phones because the phones were reading, ringing off the hook. And really? My, That's I, awesome. I, and, I, and I just had a grin on my face from here to here. Yeah. And it just showed that if you do good work and you have a good, you know, and, and you you know, I had established a name in the community for yeah. doing good work and, and treating people right. And when they saw that, I mean, people just responded, honestly, and it was almost instantly busy. That's awesome. I mean, you know, most people don't go through that. I mean, obviously, right. you've, you've kind of paid your dues in that community, right? I mean, there's no shortcut right. there. You right. would have posted yeah, that I, in Southern California. You would be like, Bloom who? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, and, you know, they were they were kind enough to say when um, when somebody called them, they're like, you know, Dr. Bloom doesn't work anymore here. You can check out yeah. his Facebook page or his, in, or, or his website. And, um, and, 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 you know, and we remain extremely cordial. And I, and I, I, like I said, I still talk to him all the time, send him patience. Um, but it, it, but because I was, you know, had developed this name in the community, it, it did work for me um, that when I opened up, patients followed. So let me ask you, you did, um, you did for a long time, a lot with technology and a lot with injectables. Um, as you know, it's very hard to do all of that and uh, run a busy surgical practice. Um, and I know you brought on someone uh, recently, which is really pretty amazing, a year and a half, and, and you're bringing somebody else on. But how do you I, – I know myself, just 
doing facelifts or rhinoplasties or aging face and rhinoplasties, I don't have time to keep up on the difference between Bellaterra and what are, what, you know, how do you, how do you manage that? How are you going to continue to manage it? Are you going to going to continue? And, and then are there downsides to that? Cause uh, I'll tell you a funny story. I mean, you know, we all know Paul Carniel, you know, he, he always gets sure. asked to give a talk about, you know, technology and this and that. And one day something came up. He goes, you know, I am a surgeon. I actually do surgery, you know, because, <laughs> because people just think of him as a technology guy. And right. so how yeah. do you do that balance without becoming known as the, the device guy and not the surgeon? These are just interesting I thoughts mean, that I had. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's that's a great question. And, um, you know, I... I got into the device world because of my previous practice. Sure. And he was so, um, you know, he was so into that field that, that like if we were doing like a clinical trial for, let's say, you know, cool sculpting, it wasn't the, you know, it wasn't the reps coming there. It was like this, you know, the vice presidents of the company and the head of R&D that were coming out to the office. And I was meeting these people and making some of these connections. And, you know, uh, and interestingly, the way it started for injectables with me was, and I still remember this, I gave a talk at the AAFPRS meeting. And, and, and I, I got a call last week from a facial plastic surgeon who is in private practice and is doing great. And he's like, I want to get more involved in industry. And I was like, why? And I, and, and I said, because like I said, you know, I did this to drive, you know, so that people like would take notice. But now, like I'm not, I used to, you know, fly around the country and do trainings and stuff because I had time. And it was, you know, it prevented burnout for me because I would take like a Friday afternoon, I would fly somewhere, but I I was like always on the road and, you know, that made money um, and it had to make sense financially. But now if I gave up, right, if I give up, I'm operating three days a week now and I do three rhinoplasties a day. And if I gave up three rhinoplasties to fly to like Alabama to do a training there or or even three or four training, it doesn't make sense. That being said, I will tell you what does and what I definitely have continued to do. I've always really made it a, um, and and this is a little bit of my secret sauce I'm sharing, um, but I've done training for every company. And I decided a few years ago, so I like to do local regional trainings. So I did one on Tuesday, right? And the training started at 6.30. I left my, my clinic ended at 6. Um, I only see patients on uh, Tuesdays and or Monday or Tuesday and Wednesday and uh, Thursdays. And I left my office at 6. I got there at 6.30. We did the training uh, till 9.30 and I went home, right? So, but uh, it, it, it's, so maybe you make a couple thousand dollars for the yeah, training. You're not having to get in a, you're not having to get in a plane. Right, right. But but the other thing is, yes, I, I mean, I could do work in the car, like I get like a Uber and do that. But I only train med spas and dermatologists. Yeah, because I get it. The relationship. They send me so many patients. It yeah. is crazy. Yeah. And, and what I mean, like, I don't train plastic surgeons or 
a PA that works for a plastic surgeon, it makes yeah. no sense because right. if they get a surgical patient, yeah, where are I they sending it? it? They're, they're sending it, it to the plastic surgeon. But I right. have had now over the course of the last 10 years being in this community, I've worked with so many nurse practitioners and med spas that, you know, these nurse practitioners who own or PAs that own these med spas who have become friends of mine. And yeah. then when they, I mean, they're seeing four, five times the amount of cosmetic patients than I can see myself, right? Right. And right. I will tell you, I get five to 10 referrals a week from these people. Right. And, no, you know, absolutely. they're like, when yeah, they're, so no, thinking, they're seeing a patient who wants right? to, uh, yeah. right, right. And, and I, I send them right back. But if you're, you know, if you're, and, and listen, and, and some of them, I've helped them out of some hairy situations. They've called, and sure. I, and I, I'm totally make myself available. If you have an issue, call me, I'm here to help you. And I go there and I train their staff of like nine injectors. Mm -hmm. Well, who do you think that their, their injector is going to recommend when their patient right. that they're injecting Botox on needs their eyelids done? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, and that's, you know, it's a pearl, but it's also genuine. It's a relationship. And by the way, they know if they have an issue, um, they got a friend, right. which, right. And, and, and listen, and they know they have my cell phone. They call me whenever. And I would never, ever, you know, like I, I'm here for them. And because I, I trust that relationship and I'm so thankful for like literally the referrals they've sent me over the past 10 years. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's, so, and so I, I keep doing that, you know, because why not? Yeah. So you brought on. And it's something. not for the money. It's for no. the referrals. Yes. No, it's the relationship. Listen, that's life, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it's all about those relationships, everything else. Otherwise, you got to earn it, earn every single piece. I don't say earn. You are earning it, but you have to, those leads, those are very valuable referrals, right? No question. When they come, when your name, totally. they're very valuable referrals. So you brought on, you brought on someone recently? Yeah. So in, um, in August of 2020, um, Dr. Julie Strax, who just completed her fellowship uh, in July with uh, Paul Nassif and Baba Kaziza mm -hmm. Day out in L.A., um, you know, I'd heard she was looking around for some uh, positions. And honestly, it just came to the point where I'm one man and I was booked right. out, you know, three, four months. And now, like, I just finished my last booking date in September and now I'm booking into August, October and I needed help, honestly. Yeah. And that's what it was about. And I gave her the same deal that was offered to me and the same deal that I just talked about yeah. by having a base salary and a, um, and once they make that in, you know, double two X set in collections, we split it according to a, um, you know, a, a ratio or percentage. And honestly, I just needed help. But the yeah. key was this. The key is that if this is to work, you have to have no ego about it. Yep. And that is what I, I kept telling that. myself yep. because here was – this is what happened with a friend of mine. My friend is a plastic surgeon in my community, and he did a fellowship with a well-known plastic surgeon in our area. And that plastic surgeon brought him on. These are general body plastic right. surgeons. And he was telling me. After 
his fellowship and he stayed on there, he started to get busy. He started to do, you know, breast dogs and tummy tucks. And the, uh, the elder plastic surgeon was like, well, wh why are those cases on his schedule? Why are they not on mine? Right. And the problem is, is like, how much can you do? How right. much do you want? And, and for me, I realized I had to let that go. And I said to myself, I said, Jason, you're going to see patients on Julie's schedule and on her OR schedule that have been your patients for eight to 10 years. It's a really and good you, point because you and have you got can't yes. do everything right. Yeah. And the first month that she was there, she did a facelift on a patient that have literally had been doing injectables on for seven years. Yeah. And I was so happy that she met Dr. Strax. She loved her. And you know what? I was like, I can't get her on my schedule right. due to COVID. She wanted it done then. She and, and I couldn't do it. And she had an amazing result. Yeah. And I was just happy for her. So is, right? is she, are you able to, you're still able to do injectables in your practice, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just harder. Injectables, honestly, and I'm, I'm just saying this in true honesty, my next injectable appointment is in November. And, yeah. and it's just, and just because I'm only there two days a week. Right. So, so I that, do that a lot of the So makes niche. it easier to fill her schedule too, right? I mean. Totally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So she's yeah. doing a lot of that, but she's now booked into September. Yeah. So uh, she's getting busy. I have a nurse injector right now. Um, yeah, I mean, we need more staff. We need more space. Um, isn't that crazy? So, so um, it's crazy. What? So what is? Because uh, I only have about two, three minutes, and we're going to switch gears a little bit. Sure. Um, and then sure. we can finish some of this. But what are your? What are your? Uh, and I'll kind of give these all as one question. You know, what are your like one year, three year? five-year goals what's what's success for you you know where do you, where do you see yourself 10 years what do you want to do gosh i mean honestly it, it, it's it's hard to imagine myself any busier than i can be like i i, I want to be um like i, I mean i i love i'm loving my practice right now i think i'm hitting my stride in terms of like um you know, really getting great surgical results. And, and maybe in the next 10 years, it's even better. But like, I like where things are headed. Um, I like the combination of, I don't think I'll ever give up doing injectables. Um, I may, you know, I, I love the artistry of it. I love the uh, immediate feedback that you give, uh, that you get from it. And, and I love seeing patients happy and doing that. So, and again, and I love teaching it. And so I have some like, tips and tricks that I teach others. So I love that. I don't think I'll ever give that up. Um, but yeah, I operating three days a week. Um, I think in five years, I, I'm hoping to either expand to a bigger location or open up a second office, mm -hmm. maybe take on some new either injectors or, you know, if, if the practice continues to expand, maybe, um, someone and I and I I'd love to hear your feeling about this because I've been approached about that and I'll tell you my pros and uh cons behind the situation maybe bringing on someone to do body plastics um you know uh, so a, a bunch of different potential options but I think 
where I am, combination of two days a week seeing pre-ops, post-ops, injectables, new consults, those two days, which are super busy in the office, and three days in the OR, working with residents, working with fellows, like, what else could I want? I mean, like, no, honestly, exactly. I'm living the dream. Living the dream. <laughs> yeah, no. It so is. What, I mean, my we'll practice is, is uh, perfect. Yeah. Um, what we'll do in the next segment, actually, we'll, uh, I'm going to cut you off and we'll start over again. But, um, you know, talk to me about bringing on a plastic surgeon. And because we're going to talk a little bit about corporate structure. I get I get questions about this uh, all the time. So, listen, I, uh, I really appreciate you joining me. Um, I'm going to wrap this up. And uh, it's uh, always, always a pleasure uh, chatting with you. Next segment, we're going to talk about, um, you know, business and corporate structure and how do you bring someone on and how do you structure that? Um, and that's stuff I love talking about anyway. But I'll kind of let you, you know, we'll talk about it, but I'll let you kind of ask me a lot of these questions. All right. Yeah, can't wait.